Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. I'm really excited about sharing about the sounds of summer today. Now, as you know, it's, it's based on the Psalms and Psalms are songs and songs, they're a big part of summer. I just remember driving along the beach, listening to tunes in the old crown. It's just part of summer, window down, stereo up. And songs in general really have played a big part in my life. In every chapter of my life, there's been a song. A song that I've played that, that reflects how I'm feeling. And maybe it's been the same for you. There's so many different kinds of songs. Something always fits as love songs. Breakup songs. Although we've come to the end of the road, still I can't let go. It's unnatural. You belong to me. I belong to you. There's songs that nobody really knows what they're about. that the book of Psalms is a collection of songs. Many of them written by a guy called David, who ends up being the king. But these Psalms, these songs, they, they really demonstrate like no other book in the Bible does what a relationship with God can look like. They're kind of like a look behind the curtain, like a, a backstage pass or... Remember those movies that were about the making of a movie? I remember when I was young watching the making of... A, Return of the Jedi, a Star Wars movie. And, uh, and George Lucas was there explaining how, how Luke Skywalker used the Force and, and how uh, he did the stunts and the action scenes. And it was, it was exciting. Well, the Psalms, they're a bit like that. We get to get a glimpse of what was going on inside the head of David while his life was living out. While he was becoming the man that would be king. It's almost like we get an opportunity to, to read his personal diary. Now there was something about David 
that God just loved. And I want to explore that today. There was something different about David. He got something about God that other people didn't really get, is elusive to most people. And we get a clue of that here in 1 Samuel 17, 37. I just want to investigate this. So let's read this together. David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Now here we see that David has a mentality that God is with him. That God was with him. And it was so apparent that God was with him that it wasn't just David that noticed it. Even people that didn't really know David that looked from a distance recognized this. Check this out. So this is 1 Samuel 16, verse 18, the chapter before. One of the servants answered, I've seen the son of Jesse of Bethlehem, who knows how to play the lyre. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well, he's fine looking, and the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. So that was interesting. So it wasn't just David that was aware that God was with him or, or, or lived like he was with him, but other people noticed it as well. So how did that happen? We get another really big clue in Psalm 40. This is where we get to see behind the curtain what was going on inside his personal prayer life with God. This is Psalm 40. Doing something for you, bringing something to you, that's not what you're after. Being religious, acting pious, in other words, doing uh, duties, having good habits, is not what you're asking for. You, God, you have opened my ears so I can listen. So I answered, I'm coming. I read in your letter what you wrote about me. And I'm coming to the party you're throwing for me. That's when God's word entered my life, became part of my very being. So it starts to make sense now. It's easy to see why it was so natural for David to talk like as if him and God were together because they were. He writes about his experience 
where he had a revelation that God's word was written for him. He says, I read it in your letter you wrote about me. I'm coming to the party you're throwing for me. That's when God's word entered my life. I just want to take a moment to pray right now for each person here. Father, I just pray for every person listening today. I know that you have things written for them, just for them. Some of them have discovered these things. Some of them know who you are and what you're saying to them, but many have not. Many have not had a revelation that you have things you want to say to them, that you have things written in your word that you wrote there for them. Show them, Father. Help us to have a revelation like David did, that you're a personal God that wants to speak directly to us and wants us to know you. Amen. Amen. So David finishes his psalm by saying, that's when God's word entered my life. He had a revelation that God was writing things for him, that he had a party to invite him to. And then as he experienced that, God's word entered his life. Two became one. Before that, there was God and there was David. But all of a sudden, something changed there was a, a fusing of, of these two separate things, these two separate people, and two became one. David said that's when God's word entered my life. He, he had a bit of God come into him, and he became part of God. They, they were fused. And relationships are interesting. There's lots of different types of relationships, but for many relationships, for them to reach their fullest potential, two have to become one. Whether it's a gold cup winning Wimbledon tennis duo, or, or whether it's a, a gold medal figure skating pair, for them to reach their potential, there has to be an understanding where they start to be able to get in sync with each other, move like each other, know what each other's thinking, that they become, in a sense, one. They start to line up. Genesis 2.24 says, says this, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. The two are united into one. Talking about marriage. Two become one. And what's far more important than maybe a sexual union is what happens in their minds, what happens in their hearts, what happens with how they 
change how they think. Many of you would have noticed that uh, when people get married, they change. Everything about them changes. The way they talk changes. What used to be referred to as mine now becomes ours. Uh, instead of being my car, it becomes our car. Instead of being my house, it's our house. If, if you ask them to a party, they say, well, uh, I've just got to talk to my wife or husband. And, and, and so their calendar becomes our calendar. It's not my children, it's our children. This particular change, I think, was very difficult for me. Me and Holly were married in 2003. And I remember a few years later, four years later, I was asked if I would uh, be able to lead the youth group. Now, um, that was a big deal for me. And so I said, you know, I'd pray about it. I, I went away and prayed and I felt like God was saying to me, yeah, Mark, I, I want you to lead the youth group. It's, it's, uh, it's you know, what I've got, your calling. That's, you know, I'm going to be with you through it. And so I, then I went and uh, spoke to Holly about it. And she said, look, Mark, we, we just had our second baby. We've just moved into our new house, which isn't even finished being built yet. You've just started a new job. It's just crazy. We're struggling with the stress as it is. I don't think it's the right time. I don't think we should do this. And so I felt really stuck. I didn't know what to do, but I thought, well, do I do what God wants or do I do what my wife wants? So I just said, well, I'm just going to do what God wants. And I went ahead and I led the youth and probably contributed a lot to me having anxiety for eight years and very stressful time that almost ended our marriage. So what should I have done? You see, although we should always do what God asks us to do, I failed to understand. I hadn't fully transitioned to two becomes one. You see, I didn't realize that God's call isn't just for my life, it's for our lives. Me and Holly, it's not just me, it's us. And for me to just go ahead and think, okay, well, what is God calling me to do was, it was a big mistake. And I'm telling you this to illustrate the difficulty it was for me to transition from being an individual to two becomes one. Very difficult. What I should have done is, is, is gone back to the board and say, look, I've prayed about it. I've, I've felt that uh, God's in this, but my wife's got some concerns. Can we sit down and talk about it? And I think if I'd done that, there would have been things put in place which would have meant that my family, my wife, our ministry together would have been protected and it would have set us up to do a lot better than we did. So I made that mistake. And as difficult it is for people to transition in earthly relationships when two needs to become one, I feel it's one of the biggest challenges for Christians. For Christians, when we say, God, I want to become a Christian. I want you to come into my life Automatically, spiritually, there's a transformation. But sometimes I think the transition in our minds don't quite 
meet what they should be. Uh, let me explain it like this. Has anyone here ever been to a library? A library. Yeah, art library's great. Some of you might have not been to a library. Uh, you just Google things on your phone. But in the old days, uh, we went to libraries. When I was a kid, every week, we'd go with mum uh, to the library. And libraries are fantastic. So for those of you who have been, let me explain it. You get to the library and uh, you've never been before. You, you need to become a member, okay? You need to sign up. And what happens is they give you uh, a library card. Now, for those of you that have never had one, library cards are amazing, okay? They're phenomenal. You see, this magical little piece of plastic gives you access to all the resources in the library. It's phenomenal. There's literally thousands of books, information, uh, kids' toys. It's just phenomenal. And they're free. You just, once you have that membership card, you, just, you don't even have to pay for the membership card. You just kind of write your name down, your address and, and some details. And then all of a sudden you can go there and you can find out uh, how to be a better parent, how to be a better husband, maybe, maybe how to build a house. You can learn animal facts. You can learn all kinds of things. There's cookbooks. You can build what you need to build. You can put together what you need to put together. But I think sometimes as Christians, we go to God the same way that maybe we might go to a library. We recognize that God is good, that he has resources, that he has all these things that are going to benefit our lives. We, we kind of get our, our God card, we, we say a prayer, we get our, our Christian membership, and then we go to him for, for wisdom, for for the things that we need to make us a better person in a sense. We go to him for information, how to build a house, instead of seeing that he is the house. Instead of seeing that he is the house. Let me, let me explain it a bit more by this. This is a hard concept, so I'm hoping you're all with me. This is Psalm 18, verses 1 to 3. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered my cry. You, God, made me as strong as ten men and as intelligent as a hundred. You made me desirable to the eye and made everybody like me. You gave me money, power, and influence. I'm in need of nothing. Thank you for making me so great that I don't need anybody. Some of you would have recognized that that's not really a Psalm 18. Psalm 18 actually goes like this. Lord, I passionately love you. And I'm bonded to you. For now you've become my strength. You're as real to me 
as bedrock beneath my feet. Like a castle on a cliff, my forever firm fortress, my mountain of hiding, my pathway of escape, my tower of rescue where none can reach me, my secret strength and shield around me. You are salvation's ray of brightness shining on the hillside. Always the champion of my cause. All I need to do is call to you, singing to you, the praiseworthy God. And when I do, I'm safe and sound in you. David, the psalmist, he didn't say, uh, you made me strong. Because the goal is not to be independent. He said, you are my strength. Because the goal is to become one. To become one. And on reflecting on this, I got to thinking, how many times have I prayed to God to make me strong when it's never really been the goal. David understood this. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength. He is my strong tower. He wasn't a, a library book borrowing Christian who sought information to build himself up but he was a, a two becomes one. We're better together. He understood that a relationship with God wasn't about making him strong. It was about linking to strength that is in and intrinsic and part of who God is. The Lord is my strength. A few years ago, I was... Um, I was praying through some really difficult stuff I was going through. Um, at the time, I felt really quite hurt. And uh, anyway, I was talking to God about it, trying to give this hurt to God, trying to forgive people that had let me down. But while I was praying, I felt challenged by God to explore the hurt a bit, to kind of look at it and, and to consider what it was that I was actually upset about. And um, you see, the thing, about, the thing about hurt is that whenever we're hurt, it's because there's something that we should have got that we missed out on. Whenever we're hurt, it's always because there's something that we should have had that we didn't get, we missed out upon. Maybe you should have got respect, um, but you got abuse. Maybe you should have got honor or loyalty or, or value, um, kindness. Maybe you should have been appreciated or treated fairly, understood, or, or given time, encouragement, or love. But we didn't. We missed out on that. And we were hurt. 
So I'm praying with God about this and uh, he asked me to consider in the context of this hurt and what I missed out on, he asked me to consider his nature, who God is and what he offers me, that he, God, he respects me. He honours me. He is fiercely loyal, was so loyal, in fact, that he would prefer to die than me live without him. He put his life on the line. That's the value he places on me. He places value on me. He's just, fair, he understands. He has all the time in the world, all the time in the world. He's always with me, never leaves me or forsakes me. He's never too busy and he is love. And he said, and he kind of said to me as I was praying, he said, I know, I know you've missed out on things. I know you're hurt, but would you meditate on me? Meditate on what I say about you what I've written about you and how I love you. I think that's the glimpse of what King David got when he understood the word that God had written about him. It's important. It's important that we understand in the context of our hurt how God's nature can lift us up. Because he's not disrespectful. He doesn't treat us as rubbish. He has value and love for us. Would you like to stand, each and every person, at church, at home? I'd like to lead us together through a prayer of discovery that God might download, he might connect with your spirit, your heart, that that in a sense two might become one, even right now, while you're hurt. And if anyone here, anyone whether you're at home or church is, is actually going through something right now, maybe you're actually feeling hurt right now, there's something that you've missed out on, I'd like to invite you to take that. Take that what you've missed out on, whether it be respect or honour or loyalty or value or kindness, appreciation, fairness, whatever it might be, encouragement or love. I want you to take that bit that you've missed out on and bring it to Jesus. Bring it to God, your heavenly Father. And let him impart to you like he did to David through his spirit, let him give you what you've missed out on. Let him fill you up what you're lacking so that in him we're complete. Would you like to stand here uh, with your eyes shut as I read Psalm 23? Give God your hurt and let him fill you as I read these words. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He leads me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still and quiet waters. He refreshes and restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort and console me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed and refreshed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell forever in the house and in the presence. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at LifeHouse. God's house, our home.